0: time looking at the rich young ruler and we looked at Zacchaeus and those two guys got me thinking. Why do people respond differently to the exact same opportunity? Some of you are familiar with these stories and if you'd like to, I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18 and where we find the encounter of the rich young ruler and then in Luke chapter 19 is where we find the conversion of Zacchaeus. you use one of our pew Bibles. This is page 889. In our, in a book. I'm not going to read these texts for you, but I want you to have them in front of you, and we're going to move on to a couple of other places. But the rich young ruler had come seeking out Jesus. He wanted to have an encounter with Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to have an encounter with him. So he runs down the street from the midst of the crowd and climbs up in a tree so he can get an eyeball sighting of Jesus. Each one of them has an encounter with Christ. Each one of them is confronted with, with an awareness that their life and their priorities are not in alignment with what God really wants for them, with God being the number one priority. The rich young ruler he comes and says, "What can I have? What do I have to do for eternal life?" And Jesus directs him and says, "You know what? You've got a lot of the works done. But the one problem you have is that God's not the number one priority in your life. Go shed all the stuff that's in your life that competes with that, and come follow me. Zacchaeus doesn't experience that conviction directly from Jesus. He does it from the crowd. The crowd says, you know, why is it going to the house of a sinner? And, and it just dawns on, you know what, they're absolutely right. I am privileged now to stand in the presence of the good teacher, and my life doesn't back that up. And he immediately makes reaction to this conviction and he goes away rejoicing, and the rich young ruler goes around sad. What, why do people react differently to the exact same message? I mean, all across America today, millions of people are going to go to church. Some people are going to walk out the doors of those church buildings, and they're going to experience salvation for the very first time. Others are going to have marriages that are saved. Others will experience, you make a decision to serve overseas, Others will renew their commitment to pray for their families and for their friends and to be in God's word. Some will accept God's grace for healing for an old wound in their lives. People will walk into church buildings today. They'll hear the word of God, and their lives will be changed forever. They'll have aha moments. But, there's a va- but a lot of other folks, maybe the majority of people, who will walk into church buildings, and when they walk out, the only thing that they'll be thinking about is, you know what, he preached way too long. You know? Or they're going to think, you know what, the music was just way too long today. Or it's just way too loud. You know? Or they're going to walk out thinking, you know what, the sanctuary is too cold or too hot. You know, or the person next to me made way too much noise. Or they're going to walk out thinking, you know, all the church really wants is money. Or, you know, the list goes on and on. Some will even walk out and say, well, why did the pastor wear that suit? You know, or why isn't he wearing a tie? Or why isn't he wearing a jacket at all? I mean, it's amazing. I had a seminary professor one time tell me that he was doing an interim pastorate in a church, and, and a woman came up and said, you know, I just can't listen to you. You part your hair on the wrong side. <laughs> and I'm thinking, so what, what if you have no hair? How, how does that work? You know, now, I know it's a little, but why do we respond differently to the exact same experiences? We say, well, maybe it's different churches, different preachers. Well, you know, this is the same Jesus, right, between a rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. They have very different experiences. Why is that? What, what, What is it about us that causes us to react differently to the moments of awakenings that God gives us? We've been doing this series called AHA where we've been talking about the fact that our, the healthy spiritual response to God's activity in our lives is He gives us either a sense of conviction in some areas, sometimes moments of revelation, sometimes moments of guidance. We, we've been calling those moments of awakenings when God steps in and reveals things into our lives. And, and out of that, there's a moment of honesty that comes where we look at ourselves in comparison to that, and then we have to take action. Well, Why do some of us That's the A, H, and A, in case you hadn't got that. Why is it that some of us have positive reactions to those moments of awakening? And yet others of us don't have positive experiences. Why is it that some of us walk away like the rich young ruler, sad? And why is it that some of us walk away with joy and rejoicing like Zacchaeus? How come some people will walk out of church buildings today and their lives will be changed forever and others will walk out and be complaining that the Methodists beat them to the restaurant now they've got to wait in line to get the table they wanted? That doesn't happen so much around here, but it does in other parts of the country. You know, and it's, it's really a, it's an important question, I think. You know, I, you know, I've been preaching at you folks now for 13 years. You know, and sometimes it's hard to say the same thing in a different way, but, but there, there's pieces, but the, the, the fundamental answer to that question as to why some of us have life-changing reactions to moments of awakening and others of us, just nothing ever seems to really change. It really is an issue of the heart. If you Take your Bibles, turn over with me to Matthew chapter 13. You know, there's probably lots of different ways that describe kind of what, but Jesus tries to give an explanation as to why some people were experiencing huge impact from his teaching. The awakenings were leading to tremendous aha moments where their lives were changed and others were just kind of, eh, and even rejecting him. So in Matthew chapter 13, this is page 825, we see the story of the parable of the sower. It's probably better entitled the parable of the soils. Because the story is really not about the sower. The story is about the soils, and it's the soils that produce different results from the awakenings that have been sowed. Just follow along. I want to read verses... 1 through 9 for us. And then Jesus comes around in chapter 18 after a short uh, interlude explaining to the disciples why he's teaching them in parables. And he explains it in verse 18 and following. And we'll read both of those sections. So on that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And such a large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat down. And while the whole crowd stood on the shore. So Jesus created a an amphitheater, if you will. He got in a boat, pushed offshore a little bit, and he's able to talk to a huge crowd. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever been on around lakes very much, but boy, your voice carries across water, right? I got in trouble several times as a kid for things I said about a half mile across the lake, you know, because your voice just carries. Jesus pushes out, and he's teaching this huge crowd. And he taught them a lot of things, it says, in parables. He says, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he was sowing... Now, they didn't have fancy machines or whatever, he's tossing it out with his hands or whatever other apparatuses that they had created. And he's sowing a seed. He says, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and ate them up. Other of the seeds fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much soil and they sprang up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered. Others fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them. Still others fell on good ground and produced a crop, some 100, some 60, and some 30 times what was sown. So anyone who has ears, let them hear. So here Jesus is trying to explain through a parable why some people react differently to the same message that is sown. Now here the seed probably could refer to, the, it's, it's, it's over in an overarching, overarching sense, it is the gospel, it is the message of the kingdom that God has come for us in Christ and Christ has died in our place and all that message, but it's also other messages Other truths, other awakenings that God gives us as a part of that journey and he says in some cases it just hits hard soil, gone. Sometimes it falls into rocky soil and it props up but then it dies really quickly. It's really short-lived kind of change. Anybody ever had any of that? You guys just all have lasting significant change, right? Me, I've been trying to take off the same 10 pounds for the last 10 years. You know, it just kind of goes on and off. Anyway. Others that Falls among thorns and it grows, but you know what? It doesn't really produce anything that's going to fill your table. You know, the the yield is just really low and the last really falls on good soil. Very different reactions to the exact same truth. He says it's the condition of the soil which I am today, and I think accurately, equating with the conditions of our hearts. Now, this this is what Jesus explains this as. Verse 18. Follow along. You then... Listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom, in other words, a message of God to us, and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. Now, what we don't get out of our English translation as much as comes out in, in, the, in the flavor of the, of the original language is that when he, he's really talking about when he says Do- doesn't understand, it's not so much that they can't comprehend it as it is that they choose to reject it. They refuse to buy in. It doesn't fit into their paradigms. It's not what they want. Except, so they reject it. They refuse to understand. They don't embrace it. They don't process it before God. It says, and, and the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And this is the part sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but is short-lived. And when pressure or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So this is where, you know, the soil has been kind of broken loose the seed's been able to take root but the hard pan is just below the surface so it, the soil heats up quickly the, the water stays all around the root but, and so it quickly springs up but then when the sun comes because it has no depth it can't get in any water through the hard pan underneath it it just it croaks like most of my grass right now you know, you know? I mean you, anybody else got brown grass besides me you know, it's just it's croaking right you know <laughs> And part of me doesn't want it to come back because then I won't have to cut it. But the rest is, you know, it doesn't look so good. But what, he, what Jesus is saying here is that those who receive the message, but you know what? Once they start to work it out and they understand that it involves real change, they're ready to let it go. You know, when it gets to be where it's about giving rather than just getting from God, eh, I'm not so sure I want this. No, or if it means that I have to change and so my relationship with my friends changes, eh, I'm not so sure I want this. That's rocky soil. That governs our response. Third type. Now, the, now the one sown among the thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the seduction of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So what he, this guy is saying, you know, here's a, the word is sown is into somebody's life. And they want the spiritual part, the godly part of their life to grow up, but they don't want anything else around it to change. So they want to try to be both things at once. They want to be in the world, and they also want to be of the world, but they also want to be in Christ and of God. It, and it just doesn't work that way. And I got to tell you, when you see that kind of life and in stark contrast it's it's really it's heartbreaking I, I don't know i think i've told you the story before but when i was pastoring a church down the south shore in the in the 90s early 90s boy i am getting old early 90s it, it, in that ministry journey came across a family that was really the family was was very dysfunctional broken etc and and Several of the young adults, like 23 to 25 year olds, were just addicted to drugs—heroin and cocaine and that kind of stuff—and and and it was very difficult to, to interact with them in a time when they were they literally could think because they were just seemed to always be on something. But in one of those stark moments of clarity, when I had to catch hap, happen to catch them at their house and and et cetera, I was talking to one of the, the guys and you know and and he. And he shared, you know, I, I said, well, what do you think is going to happen to you if you overdose on, on this heroin? You know, wh- what's going to happen to you if you die? You know, and, and, and here, here, here's a guy. He's, he's trying to live in the world. He doesn't want to change. But he says, you know, he said, every time I go past the cemetery, I cross myself, so I'm okay. So somehow or another, in the, he thought in the middle of all this destructive life that was clearly not of God, he somehow had nurtured this strong root that just couldn't fail. It's just—it's a sad thing to see. Now, for us, it's probably not near as pronounced. I mean, you actually did get up this morning, took a shower, at least I hope you took a shower before you came today, and, and, and have come to worship on, on a Sunday morning, but there's still lots of ways in which we're trying to piece this all together, but when you and I are trying to juggle all these kinds of things, and God is a priority, but he's not the priority in our lives hampers our response, our action that flows from the awakenings. Then there's the last one, right? It says, but the one sown on the good ground, this is he who hears and understands, who does bear fruit and yields, some 100, some 60, some 30 times. The, The person who gets to experience the aha moments with God these real moments of awakening that lead to lasting spiritual change that just fill their lives with all the stuff that you and I really want to have in our lives, like joy and peace and hope and love and a sense of healing and and the ability to forgive and a grace that we can share and understanding and wisdom and direction and purpose. You could just run the list along. The people who experience it, those are the ones who hear and receive it as planted deep, and it creates an incredible harvest in our lives. So the question that confronts me today, as we think about, well, you know, why do people respond differently to the exact same truth? And we see that it's a a condition of our hearts, is there a way that you and I can actually change the condition of our hearts? Is there a way for us to take the hard pathway that Jesus talks about and turn it into good soil? Is there a way for us to change the rocky soil where we break down through the hard pan and get at the depth beneath it so that things can really grow healthy? Is there a way for us to do that? Is there a way for us to pull the weeds out of our lives so it can really become good soil that produces 160 and 30-fold? Now, I've got to tell you, if, if your agenda is simply to have a mediocre... Mediocre experience with God Then most of this probably doesn't really matter to you But if if we really want to have A sense of abundance Of what God wants to give to us In Christ This stuff should really matter Now I want to suggest to you today No that's not the right word I want to tell you today It is possible for us To change the condition Of the soil of our hearts That as we think about these awakenings, the fact that God is always working around us and he's, he's speaking into our lives, he's directing our lives, he's providing for us, he's doing all these things, that you and I can actually be people who don't just simply kind of flow through all that and never notice it, but we can actually be people who see it, enjoy it, respond to it, and our lives are blessed because of it. That you and I can actually make change in our lives. So, I want to lead you one place else. Lick your finger, we'll change pages one more time, sorry. You know, sometimes you just can't get it all out of one passage. That's why God gave us a lot of pages in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, page 995. Actually, we're going to be over on page 996. Start in 995 over to 996. Let me re- read a few verses for you in here. Make a few points, and then we'll call it a day and let God work in our lives. Now, in the letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul's shifting gears here, right? In the earlier chapters, he's talked about what God has done. Now he's switched over to the because what God has done that, here's what we can and should do. And in verse 4, he starts up this way. He says, Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts, they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, but because of the hardness of their hearts. Sound like, dead pay, like the hard pathway? They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the, perp- for the practice, every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that's not how you learned about the Messiah, the aha moment, right? That's not how you learned about the Messiah. Assuming you heard him and were taught by him. In other words, aha moments. Because the truth is in Jesus. You took off your former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by t- deceitful desires. You are being renewed in the spirit of your minds, and you put on the new man, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of faith. And so then he goes on in verse 25. He says, since then, since you have put away lying, speak the truth. In other words, and then he goes on to say, be angry and don't sin. And the list just kind of flows from there. So let me make some equations here for us, as, as best I can. If you're a hard pan soil, you connect it with this passage of Scripture. And it, what do the equates do? It is the choice not to believe. The hardness of heart, the pathway that's been beaten down, is simply the, the, the choice the decision to not to believe, for unbelief. That's what the Gentiles had done. They had hardened things up. They had rejected the truth. And they had embraced their own agenda. And they had moved on. And God was not a part of it. They did not believe. Now, a lot of times we think, well, this just relates simply to my salvation experience, right? I, I, I've had an experience where I understood that, that I was a person who needed a redeemer, a savior, couldn't be perfect on my own. I was a pretty good person, a lot better than my next-door neighbor for sure, but, but I, I certainly wasn't perfect, and then therefore, you know, I really wasn't perfect in God's eyes, so I needed a Savior, and, and we've asked God to forgive us because of what the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross and Christ has entered into our lives, and we've become believers. And we think somehow because of that, you and I can't be people who have hard path in our lives. Now, certainly some of us may be in that position this morning where we're still rejecting, holding the things of faith at a long distance. We say, eh, you know, that that kind of sounds like a bunch of fairy tales and this and that and that kind of stuff. And you're still that hard path, and and there's a moment, a choice that you need to make to believe, to change the soil of your heart. But I got to tell you, sometimes it's not just the unbelievers who have hard pack in our lives. You know, sometimes we read the scriptures and we say, you know what, I understand that the Bible says I'm supposed to love my spouse as Christ loved the church. I understand the Bible says I'm supposed to respect my spouse, but, you know, I don't think God ever met my spouse. You know, God just can't mean that. You know, or we read in the scriptures, you know, the scripture says I'm supposed to forgive 70 times 7. But you know what, I don't know if God really understands how bad that person hurt me. You, you get it? I, I, I just can't and won't believe that. We need to choose to believe. What about the shallow soil that flows out of this? Here, ver, look at verse 23 in chapter 4 again. It says, you are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. My personal conviction is is that you and I experience shallow soil in our lives where the awakening goes in and a little bit starts to grow, and then it just dissipates quickly and dies off and just becomes fertilizer for everything else in our lives. And I, I, I think that happens because you and I refuse to have a change in the way that we think. We, we, we keep wanting to define what it means to be. Happy, What to be successful, to be respectable in other people's eyes. What does it mean to be industrial? We, we, we keep wanting to finding it the exact same way we always have, and we don't let God change the way we think, and therefore nothing really happens out of any of that. One of the, 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 the biggest spiritual organ that you have in your lives is right here between your ears. And you have to learn how to change the way you think According to the Word of God. And when you and I don't do that, we land up with shallow, shower, shallow, shallow, there we go, soil that's not very deep. All right? We land up with soil that's not very deep <laughs> because we refuse to change the way that we think. We want to hold on to it. So, so we have an emotional reaction to it, but we do not have an intellectual reaction. We keep defining and saying, you know, this is the only way I can be happy. This is the stuff that has to matter. This is the stuff that, you know, and, and, and we just stay there and, and, and it just dies out in a hurry. What about the thorny soil? Now, I, I want you to look here in verse 22. It says, you took off your former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires. Now, for the, the, the Bible people who were interested in this, the other ones you want to get these are aorist tense verses. I meaning this is an event that's already happened in our lives. You and I have been, when we, when we were born again in Christ, we put off the old self, and we put on the new self in Christ. That's what we reflect in baptism, right? We die to an old way of life without God, and we're born again, we're resurrected into a new life in Christ. We put off, we put on. That's that an event that is happened in our lives. But the whole spirit of this text and following out in verse 25 and comes with it is that we need to go ahead and actuate or bring to life or follow through on that which has already happened to us. So it's it's in a sense in which we have put off, but we also need to be putting off this person in ourselves. And I got to tell you, I think there's a lot of ways in which you and I choke out the spiritual aspects of our lives is because we want God to add all this stuff, but we don't want to shed anything. We're not, we're not putting off the old self. I, I brought some illustrations this morning. All right? I'm going to give you an example here in just a minute. I, I, I don't know why this particular application sticks in my own mind related to how important this can be, and how, just to bring it down to a practical level. I remember back in 1994, Christina and I were getting ready to move from the South Shore to Sterling. I was changing ministry roles. I was going to be going to work for the denomination here in, in uh, central Massachusetts, and we were looking for a house. And so a part of that is we got pre-qualified for a mortgage. And I remember leaving that office and thinking, how in the world do they ever qualify us for that much money? I don't know if you ever, had, we, we go in, we lay out everything. We said you can afford you know, a mortgage payment of X amount so you can borrow this much money. And I, you know, and we were losing money on the other house. You know, I mean, we had a little bit of takeover. We didn't have a lot to put. I'm like, wow. I'm thinking, how in the world could we ever afford to make that kind of a payment? You know, and then it dawned on me within a day or so that when they when they do their formula, they don't consider tithing. They don't consider being able to give an offering above and beyond for special causes that come along. And to show you that I'm not a true spiritual giant, they don't make allowances for toys like motorcycles and that kind of stuff. So, so no wonder they qualify you for all kinds of stuff, right? And, and, I'm, and, and that has stuck to me in my mind because a lot of us, we, th- those kinds of moments are exactly where you and I struggle and the thorns kind of take over our soil. Because what comes along is we think, you know what, you know, Christina and I, we, we love beautiful houses. We've been to some of your, it's amazing. We, we watched the HGTV shows, right, you know. The other night, some family, I think they were looking for houses in Costa Rica, right. And, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, look at that. I mean, it's an incredible view. I mean, the river came right through the house. They had just, like, covered it with plexiglass, you know. It was amazing, right. I think that is really cool. I got to, you know, and it's like, sometimes we want to go grab that stuff. Because the, the thought pattern was, buy as big as you can. When you start out, right? And you'll just grow from there. You know what that looks like in our particular case? It'd be like, you know, we, we, we get done and say, you know what, we're we're just you know, we wanna we wanna have the American dream of the big house. My kids used to tell him, how come we have the smallest house out of all my friends, you know? Yeah. We, well, well let's get a bigger house. And then we say, Well, now I wanna try to give. You know? And 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 and, and then I wanna you know I used to be heavier, so this doesn't fit all that bad. So, you know. And then we just keep adding stuff on. I'm not trying to create a new fashion trend today, right? We just keep putting stuff on and on and on. And I wish I had more coats in there now, right? You know, and we just, we just bulk it out. And, and then we wonder, why, why is it so hard to move around? Why are our spiritual lives so hard? Because we haven't really shedded this stuff that allow room for God to take over. And so, we could have chased the American dream, had the bigger house, we could have bought a much better, we could have had a nice gillow, all kind of stuff here in Sterling, but we chose something different because we had chosen to put off. Because we wanted to be able to give. We wanted to be able to provide an offering. We wanted to be able to have a few toys. That was more me than Christina. She's a lot more spiritual than I am, actually. So, and, and I'm going to do my clothes just like I do at home. I'm just going to throw them right in the floor. There we go. <laughs> 21 years removed from then. I got to tell you, you know, it, I, I'd love to go spend a few nights in a house like that house in Costa Rica. But I got to tell you, I, I, I wouldn't pass up the feeling that I, that just the joy and 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 the peace and the contentment it brings me the, that, that there isn't a dollar that I didn't think I was supposed to give to the Lord that I haven't given to Him. I've never felt like I'm in a place where I cannot afford to give the way God wants me to give. And and I got to tell you, when we're not putting off, when we're not adjusting our lives to who we've already become in Christ, the rest of that stuff is just not going to fit very well when we're putting it on, and we're going to be thorny soil. So you got the last soil the good soil I think it's the whole package verse 22 you put off the former way of life you change the way you think and you put on the new man in Christ the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth if you and I want to have lives that are truly full of aha moments not only where God's speaks to us. We have those great moments of awakening. God's alive. We can hear him speaking to us from the burning bush. But then actually these tremendous actions flow from it. Our lives really change. They become this tremendous spiritual journey for us. As you see, us, it's working. out, none of that's going to happen unless we're good soil because we're putting off, we're being changed, and we're putting on what God's already given us in Jesus Christ. You see, in our passion to experience aha moments. It's really the actions related to the ongoing awakenings. God says to us every single day, put off, be changed, put on. Put off, change the way you think, put on. It is the actions that kind of are behind the action that really determine our responses to God. So what kind of soil are we today? My heart and prayer for you. My heart and prayer for myself. It would be good soil. Good soil. Not having limited, difficult, hard to work out kind of stuff, but we're living lives that are full of amazing aha moments because we've taken care of the actions behind the actions. Let's pray together. God, you've sowed seed today. There's been truth about the kingdom shared today. Let it fall on good soil. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite our worship team to come. As always, we're going to have our concluding song. This will also be our time of offering. and as Steve indicated to you your gifts today will make a difference literally all around the world. Some of it will get off to Tunisia. Some of it will get off to Burkina Faso. Some of it will go in other places around the world. Some of it will stay right here to make sure that we can do all the things we can in ministering and serving to people in our own community and our own church. So I want to invite us to stand, sing to the Lord this morning, and, and I'll invite our ushers to come as we begin to sing.